Well, good morning, everybody, and happy Easter to everyone. Thank you so much for being here. All of those that are watching at home are just so thrilled to have you. We have a number of guests this morning. Thank you for coming. Uh, it's wonderful to have you here, family and friends. I'm going to talk to you now for a little bit about what happened on that very first Easter, that first resurrection Sunday, and then we have a lot of other things we're going to be doing this morning. The four gospel writers, the four early biographers of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all agree on one thing. Jesus rose from the dead. Now, three of them were disciples. As such, were eyewitnesses of the events. The fourth was a physician, a doctor, Luke, who thoroughly researched, interviewed the people that were there. And they all agree, Jesus died on a Friday, rose again from the dead on a Sunday. They each give their unique perspective of what took place that day. But what they don't give us is a timeline. In other words, Mark, when he wrote about what happened on that day, didn't say this event happened in that other event that John wrote about that I didn't write about, that happened later. So they didn't give us a timeline. They just told us from their perspective all that took place. So what I'm going to try to do this morning with fear and trepidation is to give you a timeline to put together all four of the gospel writers' stories and piece them together into what happened first, second, third throughout the day. And I do this realizing that looking back after 2,000 years, I, I, I could be off. Some of the things could have happened earlier or later, but don't let any of that distract you. Just enjoy the story of what happened on that morning. And the reason I'm going to do this is because when you put all four accounts together, you get a fourfold vision of what took place that day. So let me start the story. Not on Sunday, but on Friday night. Jesus has just died on the cross. And two men, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, took down the body of Jesus, washed it carefully, and then wrapped his body with linen cloths that they soaked in this kind of paste made of spices and other material. They wrapped each of his limbs in these cloths made out of paste. They then wrapped the whole body up, about 75 pounds it would have weighed. Then they took the body of Jesus, put it inside of a tomb and then rolled a two-ton stone downhill on the entrance. Now, while that's happening, some women are watching. They have followed Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus to watch where the body of Jesus was laid. They're watching all of this occur. Some of them go back to their home. Others stay longer long enough to watch 10 to 16 Roman soldiers come and make a guard around the tomb. Then they go home. They go home to get some spices, more spices, to put on the body as soon as the Sabbath day is over. So now we have Sunday. Now that the Sabbath day is ended, the first day 
the break of day on Sunday occurs, at least six of women, six of these women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, Salome and Joanna, leave where they are while it's barely any light to walk to the tomb where Jesus is buried. And on the way there, they realize, oops, how are we going to roll the stone away? They didn't plan it out real well. They're just excited to go. But they need not have worried because while they're walking to the tomb, God takes care of everything. An angel comes down. An earthquake occurs. The angel of the Lord rolls away the large stone and sits on it. And his face is as bright as lightning. And it scares these Roman soldiers almost to death. They faint. They collapse there. The women, meanwhile, they're walking. They're on their way to the tomb. So by the time they get there, the angel is gone. The soldiers have recovered. They've run into the city to tell their story. And the women get there. They enter the tomb. They see the body is missing. So Mary Magdalene, who doesn't mind being different, who doesn't mind being alone, takes off, leaves the other women, runs back to where the disciples are. She gets Peter and John and tells them the body's taken from the tomb. So Peter, John, Mary Magdalene, they all go back. John outruns Peter. They get to the grave. Peter gets there, goes inside. John follows, and they verify the body is missing. It's not here. It's gone. Now, Peter and John are pretty typical men. They did their job. They researched. The body's gone. No need to stick around. So let's go back home. That's enough. But the women don't go back. They stay, they grieve, they hug, they cry, they wonder together. Mary Magdalene leaves the others again, goes back to the tomb entrance, stoops down, looks inside, and this time she sees two angels, not the scary kind of face angels, but two angels that are just looking like regular men. One angel says, woman, why are you crying? She says, they've taken away my Lord's body, and I don't know where it is. She turns and leaves. The other women are still in one place. She starts searching the surrounding vines, bushes, trees for the stolen and now hidden body of Jesus. In the distance, she sees a man walking. I wonder if he knows where the body is. Maybe he's the gardener. Maybe he stole it. Maybe he hid the body. The man is far away. She can't recognize him. But he sees her coming, and he yells out, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she calls back, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. The man doesn't answer. She keeps searching. But as she gets close enough to this man, he says, Mary. She recognizes that voice. This is not a gardener. And Mary Magdalene becomes the first person to see Jesus alive again. Starts to hug him. He says, chill that, because I've not yet ascended to my father. But, but she, major hug. Meanwhile, the other women, what are they doing? Well, they're still back by the tomb. And what happens to them? Two angels appear to them. Now, we don't know if they're new angels every time or the angels are doing the scary look and then the normal look, but two angels appear to them while they're all around the tomb and scare them half to death. 
They bow their faces to the earth. Don't be afraid, say the angels. Go tell the others Jesus is risen from the dead. They go back and look in the tomb to make sure, yeah, not there. While they're looking in the tomb, there's another angel, one who appears to be like a regular person, shows them again the body's not here. So they're convinced. They go back and tell the disciples. Who do they meet on the way? Jesus. Jesus. And they all hug him, bow down before him. They go back to the disciples. They say, we met Jesus. And the men, disciples, don't believe them. Men are the same. They don't believe. Peter and John told them we saw an empty tomb, but they didn't mention angels. They didn't mention Jesus. So why should we believe these ladies? None of them go back except one, Peter. He goes back and he sees Jesus. The appearances don't end there. Later in the day, Jesus walks and talks with two disciples as they're going to a place called Emmaus. They go back and report to the others, we saw Jesus. That night, the 11 apostles and disciples are all in a room. They're scared to death. They got the door locked, and Jesus appears to them. How did he get in here? We don't know, but he's here. That's him. He talks to them, and he eats with them. Look, I'm not a ghost. He eats with them. I have a body. And the appearances keep on coming. Seven disciples eat with him at the Sea of Galilee. He appears and talks with 11 of them at a mountain location near Galilee. Later, he appears to 500 of them at one time. And then after a total of 40 days with them, they watch as he goes back up in to heaven this rose from the dead that these eyewitnesses told the truth well the first is the empty tomb think about it the disciples of Jesus started preaching in the city of Jerusalem Jesus has risen from the dead and people started believing it and the church began and the Christian movement started that went all around the world well think about it there is no way they could have done that if in a tomb in that city there was the body of Jesus. How do they do that? Jesus has risen, they say. Well, let's go check it out. And if the body's still there, then there's no way anybody would believe them. No one could find a body. The tomb was empty. Second, the sheer number of appearances of Jesus rule out any possibility of an hallucination. Okay, highly strung people can at certain points under a lot of emotional distress hallucinate. They can, but hallucinations, psychiatrists tell us, are limited to one person. There's no such thing as a group hallucination. We all this morning don't hallucinate the exact same thing. And so if it was just one person, discount it. They might have been just hallucinating, but 500 at one time? All say, yes, we saw Jesus. No hallucination. And third, these eyewitnesses were willing to die for their story that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, people have been willing in history to die for something they think happened but didn't happen. 
I know that. But people are not willing to die for something they make up that they know didn't happen. Can you picture it? The disciples say, hey, guys, let's make up a story. Let's say Jesus rose from the dead. Let's all make up the story, and let's hold on to it no matter what happens. Ten of those 11 would be killed for that story. They would be tortured. Their families were threatened. They would all be killed, and none of them at the last minute said, time out. No, hey, we made it up. You can trust the eyewitnesses' accounts. Jesus rose from the dead. So, yes, he rose from the dead. What does it matter? So what? What does it have to do with me going to college or high school, working in a job, whatever I'm doing in life? What does it matter to me today? Let me talk about that for a moment. First, the resurrection matters because it proves that the claims Jesus made about himself are true. You say something, you back it up by rising from the dead. I kind of believe what you said about yourself. What did he say about himself? He said that he was God. Now, it would be foolish to believe that if he stayed in the grave, but it would be foolish not to believe it since he rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, that tells us that everything he said in his lifetime, you can believe. What did he say in his lifetime? He said that God created the world. He said God created humans, male and female. He said there was a universal flood. He said Jonah spent three days in the belly of a giant fish. In other words, Jesus said that the things written in your Old Testament of the Bible, they really happened. I know there are skeptics who say it didn't happen, those things didn't happen, but those skeptics are going to die and stay dead. I don't believe them. I believe the one who came back to life again. Third, Jesus is the only religious leader who rose from the dead. Buddha, Muhammad, their graves are still there. You can go and visit their graves. There's no talk about them rising from the dead. I don't know if you knew this, but no other religion is founded upon a leader who rose from the dead. Only the followers of Jesus have that assurance. And that demonstrates that he is unique from everybody else. That he is what he said he was, the way, the truth, and the life. Fourth, the resurrection of Christ gives you and me, right in this room, hope, hope that we can live forever with Christ in heaven. Romans chapter 4, verse 25 says that Jesus was delivered up because of our sins. He was taken to a cross in our place. All of us have sinned. All of us deserve judgment. But Jesus in our place died for us. That same verse says that he was raised to life again because of our, for our justification. Christ's resurrection proves that his mission to conquer sin worked. <laughs> it proves that he was a savior not only willing to save us, but able to deliver us from the judgment of God. Band, would you please come back, please? Worship team, come back. Let me close with one other thing before we go back into some music. 
There's one other thing that the resurrection entails that makes it significant. Scripture says that the resurrection of Jesus is the pattern that's going to happen to everybody who believes in Jesus. In other words, one day, all believers in Jesus will be resurrected like he was. We are not going to spend eternity apart from our bodies, spirits floating around in the air. Just as the body of Jesus came back to life again, there will be a day when everyone who has died believing that Jesus is the Savior, their bodies will be resurrected again. It talks about it in 1 Thessalonians. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. We're not going to have some half-human existence forever of being some kind of spirit floating around. We're going to have brand new bodies like the body of Christ. But they won't get sick and they won't get old. All of that because the King of Kings came to earth, died, and rose again. Stand to your feet, everybody. We're going to sing.